Hey friends, welcome back to The Table. My name is Michaela Bell and I am your host here at A Table for Two. My favorite thing in the entire world is having authentic conversations around a table. Y'all know that if you've been here at all. I'm Italian, this girl likes to eat. (laughs) And I also love friends and I love having conversations. So today I invited to the table my financial coach. His name is Justin. And even as we were talking in some of our coaching sessions, there was a passion that he has. Um, There is a knowledge that he has that I think is really, he's so good at transferring that knowledge to other people and transferring his passion to other people. And I just could not wait to have him at the table. So I'm not even going to talk much because I loved the things that he had to say. Um, I love his philosophy around having, you know, not a cookie cutter approach to finances, but something that's a really custom approach to it as a single mom my finances and the way that I manage things, it's different than my friends that are married or don't have kids. You know, so I loved his concept of making things really custom. He's opened my eyes to a lot of things when it comes to money, my mindset around it, my management of it. And I'm actually super excited about my future because so much, so much of it is because of him and what he's teaching me. And so, yeah, let's just dive into this thing because it's good. Is really good. All right, I'm gonna stop talking. Let's talk to Justin. Well, Justin, welcome to a table for two. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. As you know, I'm very excited to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we get into any of like the juicy stuff that we're gonna talk about, let's set the scene for everybody, and we're gonna imagine ourselves as always in your favorite restaurant. So where are we going to imagine ourselves? And also, what are we eating? Oh, the second question. Great. Um, My favorite restaurant, as of recent, we past couple of years, we moved into this area um, in a suburb outside of Baltimore. And there's a place right up the street called the Valley Inn. And it mm. has it's pretty historical and it has like several different settings. You can sit inside and do fine dining or you can do like a pub setting or you can sit outside. Where's our favorite spot? And they recently have outdone or redone the outside. And it's, you know, going there in an evening on the summer, you know, the, the TV's going, you know, having a couple of drinks and you know, great food. It's an awesome setting. So that's where I envisioned myself when you asked me this question. Okay. Uh, and then with the eating, oh, gosh, uh, am I trying to be healthy? No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> They're fantastic. Their chicken wings okay. are fantastic. I'd probably be going for that. All right, cool. Awesome. And what's the vibe there? You know, a little bit of a higher-end outside hangout, if you will. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what I find? That most people, either they pick their favorite, like, hole in the wall or, like, that high-end, just, like, you know, all about the vibe. So. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yep. So cool. Okay, so we're going to imagine. It's the Valley Inn, you said? Exactly. All right, cool. So that's where we're imagining ourselves. A little shout out to the Valley Inn. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to go like crab cake, cakes direction because I know right. you guys are kind of known for, right? Isn't Baltimore known for that? Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, the main thing here is the seafood, particularly the crab cakes. Um, yes. Maybe my second option. <laughs> your, your second option. <laughs> if you yeah. ever have me back. <laughs> okay. 
(laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. So one of the reasons why I actually wanted to have you um, on is, well, multiple purposes, but I used to be terrified of talking about money. And I think that too, even, you know, in conversations with friends, it feels like it's a topic that's often off topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's kind of one you don't touch as much. And I think that it has to do with, um, there tends to be a lot of shame around money or like a negative story in our heads that mm-hmm. we've had for a really long time about money. And one of the things that I love here at a table for two is to have and like break down conversations and about topics that some people are afraid to talk about. So I want to start talking about money in a way that it's just normalized. Um, I want to normalize like the struggle around it, but also the beautiful stories that can come around. Because there's there's so many beautiful things that you can do with money when you have a healthy view of it, a healthy story of it internally. And it's something that I've really worked so hard and I am still not there yet, (laughs) but you're (laughs) helping me with it at at this very, very moment. So Justin is um, actually my financial coach. So tell us a little bit about exactly what you do and the story, a little bit of a story behind why you do what you do. Sure, absolutely. So essentially, I have a company called Just Financial Foundations, and there's a signature program that I offer within the within the company called Financial Foundations. Um, very easy. Um, and with that, it comes, the program is a six-week program that comes with a 12-month custom budget. Throughout the six weeks, I work with clients on a particular framework that about topics that need to be hit to increase your financial literacy, right? Just basic money management, you know, when your money's coming in, what to do with it, you know, how to budget, how to save, you know, how to tithe, you know, how to expense prioritize, how to plan, how to action plan. You know, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm a financial coach. So I don't, and it's nothing to do with investments, right? Mm-hmm. It's educational. Mm-hmm. It's basic mm-hmm. money management from an educational essence, not an advisorship standpoint, yeah. um, which is a huge gap in yes, the United yes. States, right? It's a huge gap in the United States. And so the six week program comes with a 12 month custom budget, but why it has become so massively successful is because of its ability to morph to whatever your most pertinent needs are. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, but I'm a true believer and there's no cookie cutter approach to people's personal finances, right? Everyone needs a custom and personalized solution. And so the program takes that approach, right? But you know, most importantly, what it does is it gives people a non-judgment free, or excuse me, a judgment free, um, shameless um, environment to come and discuss your finances, right? Because I'm very understanding and opening about it. I've experienced it in my past and I've also made um, some mistakes too as well. So I come from a place where I'm not perfect, but also I want to help other people avoid the mass amounts of self-inflicted wounds that they run into due to finances, right? And so, you know, my parents, you know, gave us a great life growing up, right? They always made sure that we had food on the table and we were able to do things. But, you know, I always say I'm, I've saw some things around money that were not inevitable, right? That I think were my parents made some mistakes that, you know, trickled into the family and affected us and impacted us, but it wasn't their fault. They just weren't taught these things. It was mm-hmm. a gap of financial literacy. It was a gap of financial guidance, though they had a little bit of a baseline, right? There's a lot of things that aren't taught, right? And so with that said, if you, I read this statistic that says 95% of Americans are financially illiterate, 
right? There's obviously mm-hmm. a gap somewhere. Right? Yeah. There's obviously a gap yeah. somewhere. And so then obviously then too, so that means that it's not our fault. So to go back to your point, right? The shame and embarrassment and stuff like that. The first thing for people to realize it's not your fault, most likely, that you weren't taught the right things. One of my favorite quotes from Will Smith, he says, some things in life happen to you that are not your fault, but they darn well are your responsibility to step up and take care of. Yeah, right? I was and just so going to say that quote. <laughs> right, right. And so if people do want to step up and take care of this mm-hmm. topic, who are they going to? 95% of this country is financially illiterate. And, you know, the people that are out there, you know, they're, I hate to say it, but they're snakes in the grass, for one. And they probably, too, they don't know what they're doing, right? You, it's kind of like um, taking advice from a fat personal trainer. A lot of people in the finance world, you know, if they were a personal trainer, they'd be fat, if you get my analogy, <laughs> yes. right? Or they're unethical. And so I've identified that massive gap, <laughs> Um, and have been able to expose it in a good way and create my program that helps address that because I truthfully believe that you're supposed to use your skills that God gives you to help other people, especially when your skills are people's deficiencies, right? I say that all the time, but I truthfully believe and that's why I do what I do because I believe God has given me a skill or a skill set that the majority of this country and world doesn't have and that he's stewarding through me to help other people, right? So they don't have to go through maybe what my family went through or other families go through that because a lot of those problems are avoidable and I want to help people avoid those pains and those issues. And then also, as you alluded to, take advantage of the mass opportunities money does offer, right? I hate the quote that money is the root of all evil. It's so false. Money's not the root of evil. Um, people are the root of all evil, right? And so if you're an evil person, more money is just going to make you more evil. But if you're a good person, in most instances, if you know how to steward your money, that's what my program teaches, you're going to become a better person. Right. My goal is to get to a point in life where I can steward my money to help as many people as I possibly can. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I need uh, to answer God's calling for me. I think I need the freedom of wealth and time. And the second one, the, the freedom of time comes from the freedom of wealth. Exactly. Right. And so I went on a little bit of a tangent there. But as you can see, fresh off, fresh out of the gate, I'm extremely passionate about this. And I, I just want to make sure I share as many people as I possibly can. Yeah. And there are so many things that you said in there that I started like taking notes. Um, but, and one of the things that I teach in, in my course is the becoming emotionally intelligent. And before you can become emotionally intelligent, you have to become emotionally literate, which just means Mm. when I say, how are you feeling? You know what you're feeling. So first you have to understand, right. And, and I think the same thing with financial intelligence, it begins with being coming financially literate and so like you mentioned, so many people are not and struggle with that. And I wish that it was something that we learned in school. Like where are the personal finance classes in high school and Mm -hmm. in college? Because I don't know if you're anything like me, Justin, maybe you were great in college, but I, I got my first credit card in college and the limit that they gave me was astronomically large. It's ridiculous, right? ridiculous and this was too back in the time when when you did get cards like they tended to be higher limits um but and i racked that thing up and then i had really no clue the damage that i was doing to myself literally no clue right right and it's because i just didn't have the knowledge so i love that what you're teaching is more of let's get educated um and let me help you kind of just break down some of that because oh, that's that's a huge piece of the puzzle. People just don't have the words and the knowledge around even basic financial stuff. But here's the thing. 
they make it seem so complicated when in reality it's not, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think um, that's one of the things you teach about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I completely agree with that. And unfortunately, a large amount of my suspicions, actually some of it being fairly factual, they do it on purpose, right? The system yeah. is set up to confuse you. So they confuse you and in turn, you seek them out and in, in return, they take advantage of you. Now, it's not everybody, but the majority of situations like that. And so they make it look massively confusing. That's one of the things I tell people, it's not that hard, right? And so when I'm building budgets, I'll build it with you. When I'm building your balance sheet, I'm going to build it with you, right? When we're doing analysis, I build the analysis with you, right? So you can see the form. Once it's all done, it looks very confusing. But if you build it from scratch with somebody and see every component and what they mean and how everything correlates, that's education right there. Based on that education, right? I'm then informing you and educating you. Now you have that knowledge base, right? But that's not offered, right? For one. And then in two, the industry takes advantage of that that ignorance, Mm -hmm. right? And so- it really does drive me crazy. It does. And it's like we have a mass issue in this country, right? 95% of Americans financially literate. And instead of resolving it, we're going to take advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like do nothing about it. And then if you do yeah. want to resolve it, though, it's like, well, where are you going? Because think about it, 95% of Americans financially literate. So who's teaching it? Right? Mm. Who's teaching it? And so your parents don't know it. It's not taught at home. Going to high school, it's like, think about it. High school teachers, they don't know it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, majority true. of them don't know it. They don't have, and, and nothing against them. They don't have enough money in essence too to even understand the side effects of managing it correctly. If anything, like they're just on a very strict budget and it's, they have a scarcity mentality. So mm-hmm. then leaks into other people. And maybe if they do teach, it may leaks into that. And then when you get to college, it's not taught there either. You know, it's not, it's not taught there either. And I think it's, if it is, it's a very touchy approach. But again, look who's teaching it. People that most, by probabilities, probably fall into that 95%. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to get a financial advisor, right, you know, a lot of them are incentivized to sell you stuff or get you on plans that don't have your best interest in mind because they're making money either way. Mm-hmm. Um, the word broker, right? If you just have someone that's a broker, it's not a fiduciary, right? These are all things that you have no idea, but a broker is making money whether you're making money or not. And so then you go to those people to seek out help, right? For one, they may not know what they're talking about, which is, you know, that fat personal trainer analogy, right? And for right. two, they don't have, I'm not saying all of them, like my, my financial advisor is the best dude in the world, ethically and professionally. Um, but, you know, they may not have the best ethics in mind. They're fresh out of school. They're trying to make money, right? They got their own credit card debt to get themselves yeah. out of. So they're taking advantage of you to then achieve that objective, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so then that, that's, that's what our reality is. That's literally what our reality is. This is why yeah. I stepped up and did this. And so if anything, I fill that void crazy and I make the experience with a financial advisor a lot better because financial advisors, if they do know what they're doing, even the best ones aren't going to do what I'm doing with you, right? They say, oh, how mm-hmm. much do you think you have to invest? If you have no idea what your budget is each month, right? Or what, how much you're making, how much you're spending, where your money's going, you have no idea what to tell them, right? So then you miss out on investments. You maybe tell them too little or too much. And obviously those are subpar for several reasons on that front. Mm-hmm. Right. And so all of that in cultivation, it's an absolute mess in the United States, but I, I'm more confident in myself that I'm going to solve that at least to a certain degree. Mm, yeah. And I love that. And we're going to get into some of those things too, maybe of just advice that you can give people that are listening that might be in a position of what would be a good first step. But before we do that, I just have one question that I always like to ask people. And it's um, when people look at you and your life, what is one thing that you wish people could know before they assume maybe even like take this personally and then professionally that is that is a a tough one well personally hmm, i think i have a a strong personality and a strong appearance in a way 
And so people, I think, you know, at least growing up in our era too as well, like people that maybe like looked like me and or, you know, had a past like me being an athlete, this or that, like I'm going to come off as arrogant, which I definitely used to before when I was younger. It's something I learned that like I'm going to come off as arrogant. I'm not welcome. I'm not opening, right? I'm judgmental because I'm very particular and I'm very diligent. You know, I, you know, it comes off in my appearance, if you will, in my presence. And so people kind of assume the worst about me. And, you know, so I want it. And that, some of that's my fault. Don't get me wrong. So it's a self-inflicted wound from issues I've done in the past. But I want people to kind of shift it. Like I want to, you know, create myself as, you know, that, that safe haven for people to come to, whether it's mm-hmm. money or not. Like, you know, I've really grown my relationship with Christ over these past four years. And no, I'm not perfect. And I still make a ton of mistakes. I'm starting to embody the body of Christ a lot more. I want to display that to other people. And so if people shut down to me from the initial appearance or engagement, right, before they actually give me a chance, I it limits me from spreading that body of Christ, right, and yeah. doing my work. And so it's mm-hmm. one thing I always get nervous about, right? Um, and so I run into issues like that with my whole life, but, you know, and so that's kind of, I guess, you know, cultivation, you know, a little bit of mix of personally and professionally, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Do you feel like there is a, um, a reason that like, do you feel like you used some of those things, like being an athlete, being strong as, um, as a, not, I don't want to say a front, but like that any fears that that was like, you were trying to cover up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And so I think I, I used to be honest with you, like, uh, I'll just be straightforward. I was, I used to be very arrogant when I was younger, like in college and like, for one, like kind of the culture I grew up in, we all were just competing athletes Like we were competing with each other all the time. And so you always wanted to establish your dominance. So I think it came from that. And that's what I found my value and my identity in. And then I got to college and, you know, I tore my ACL four times. I was a star athlete, but then I got there and like, nobody really knew who I was. I was a star athlete in high school, but I get to college and my identity, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to come in and be a star athlete again. I tear my ACL time after time. I'm sitting on the sideline. I'm no longer a star athlete. I'm that dude sitting at the end of the bench with a cast on my leg with crutches that nobody knows, right? At least athletically. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I thought I had to run my mouth, you know, to, you know, go in the gym, get bigger and stronger, you know, um, say things I didn't need to say, you know, you know, be more diligent, you know, have everything else put together to, you know, identify myself that way. Right. As I got older, you know, I realized that was a front for insecurities, right? That arrogance was, if you're arrogant, you're insecure about something. Right. 100%. So my brother always tells me or used to tell me that, you know, if you're good at something, you'll tell people. But if you're great at something, people will tell you. Mm, right. And so I, I yeah, I love that. And so as I got older, it's like now, I mean, in all modesty, I'm just I think I'm great at what I do. I don't need to tell anybody. My, my work speaks for myself. Right. I don't need to run my mouth and be arrogant. If anything, I need to allow people to be able to relate to me like me, you know, build that trust and that rapport with me so they can come to me so God can do work through me. I think my relationship with Christ has really helped evolve that, right? I realized my identity is not in being, you know, a big shredded athlete that, you know, All-American national champion, you know, um, had a master's degree at 23, was senior level executive jobs at Hopkins, driving nice cars, all fancy suits like that. That's what my identity used to be. Now I realize my identity is just, I am just a soldier for Christ, right? I'm just a Mm -hmm. valve here on earth for him to work through Mm -hmm. to make this world a better place through the skills he equipped me with. And if I want to do that, I need people to come to me and not run for me. Right. So that's why I brought that whole point up from the beginning. Yep. Yep. I love that. And I think hearing people's stories is always like it brings so much compassion. Um, You know, when you lack understanding, you will lack compassion. And so Mm. it's one of the reasons why I love when I meet somebody, I want to know their story. 
Um, mm-hmm. and this is just like a very random thing, but it just popped into my head. My daughter, she's e-learning. Right. And so I hear everything. I see everything. Cause she's usually right next to me, um, in class. And there's this one kid that literally was driving me insane, you know? And I'm like, this, I don't like this kid. He's kind of a jerk. He's got a mouth on him, you know, all this stuff. And then one day there, his, his mic was on. And you heard some of the conversation and his mother yelling at him in a very intense way. And all of a sudden, I saw this little glimpse of a picture of his life, a little bit of his story. And immediately my heart softened toward him, you know, because it's like, oh, that's why he probably is the way that he is, right? You know, so whenever you, whenever you see something that you don't maybe love in somebody, just remember that they have a story (laughs) um, that you probably don't know anything about, but you probably hear a lot of people's stories, (laughs) right? I mean, yeah, yep, yep. Today I have, I have 11 meetings on my calendar and that's all 11 different, different clients and they're all, all 11 different stories. Right. And so this has really made me a lot more understanding. Yes, a hundred percent for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you have understanding, you will have more compassion naturally. Um, Yeah. So anyways, I just, yeah, I wanted to hear a little bit about what people tend to assume about you. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I just think that that's always like such an interesting, interesting question. Can you tell me about a messy middle moment in your life and it can be life or it can be around money um, that you learned a lot from. Yeah, definitely. So a messy middle here, um, maybe not as financially related, but it has a little bit of a <clears throat> of a financial um, relation. Though when I so I finished my master's degree at twenty three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that that's kind of where a lot of thing, a lot of like that other question comes from is that I was always very disciplined. Like I was in the gym every single day, eight to a T. You know, everything I had a 4.0 GPA all undergrad through grad school, right? Like, and so there was I just never made excuses, right? I always overcame. And so that came with a little bit of less, as you said, I don't have compassion for other people because I don't understand how people just can't be disciplined. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I've I've lacked in the past. But, you know, so point being is I get all that done, 23 years old, master's degree. I have a dual senior leadership role at Johns Hopkins Hospital, way underqualified for, but they saw potential in me and took took opportunity from me. And this is where my other excuse things come from too, is like I tore my ACL four times in college. I still ended up being an All-American. I still ended up being a first-team all-conference, still ended up winning conference championships and a national championship. All of my goals I set out for, I still accomplished despite those four ACL injuries, right? And so that's kind of where all that came from. And so I have all of that accomplished by 23 years old, Yeah. right? And then I'm just like, well, what's next? Like I got the job and like it really, really struck me. It was a really messy man. I lost who I was and I know who I was. I wasn't an athlete anymore. I wasn't a grad student anymore. Right. You know, now I'm a Johns Hopkins employee, doesn't feel real yet. Right. And like, I'm, I'm always there for like instant gratification. I always was achieving things so quickly, but now I'm a small fish in a huge pond, the biggest healthcare, healthcare system in the whole entire world. Right. And so I shouldn't even be in the positions that I'm in, let alone growing to the next one's going to take, you know, a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And so just trying to find who I was like everything, you know, started to be off. I was a little bit lost. I was trying to find, you know, it was definitely a messy middle. Right. But it was obviously a part of God's plan where he got me till now. So I started spending money, you know, a little bit, you know, the way I shouldn't have been. I knew I was spending money suboptimally sometimes because I was going out and I was living in the city. I was like, let me live this, this lifestyle that people say, I'm 23, I'm 24, let's celebrate. You know, I got my master's at 23. I accomplished everything on paper that some people don't even accomplish by age 50, 
yeah. right? And I got I got a big paycheck coming in, right? I got limited expenses, right? You know, I'm only going to make more as I get older. So I started in date and in indulging in things that hurt were hurting me spiritually, were hurting me financially, were hurting me emotionally and relationshiply, and like kind of started a snowball effect. Right. And so now looking back, I see the plan, but I can also see the opportunity cost. All that money that I spent on trying to be a 23, 24 year old living in the city, right, that I could have reallocated better if I had someone like me teaching me. Right. Um, all of the, you know, the stress and anxiety and the broken relationships or the mistakes that I made that probably could have been avoidable. I get everything happens for a reason, but that was a messy middle. Obviously, I'm still not perfect. But now looking back, I can see where that brought me to. It definitely, most importantly, brought me to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Then to Christ, Christ brought me to what was more important. It, it aligned my priorities, right? I'm not perfect. Again, I still make mistakes and I can hop off this call and I may go, you know, fly off the handle upstairs because I see something out of place, right? It's obviously not embodying the body of Christ, but I understand I'm more conscious that that doesn't align with who I want to be, yeah. right? And then from there, it started to then steer towards, you know, what am I really being called by Christ to do, right? And it didn't feel right. Like being, even though, then I had, I just came off and a couple of weeks ago, I stepped away from. I'm a very pretty big time role in the Johns Hopkins system, right? And I did that. And I started having thoughts about six or seven months ago, Michaela, where I was interviewing for different jobs, big time jobs, big time raises, mm-hmm. um, just incredible jobs that people would only dream of getting by the time they're 50 or 60 years old. And I'm 26, 27, 28, sitting in these interviews, yeah. like final two candidates, turning some of these offers down. And it's because I was driving one day after one of the interviews and God said, just, if you just abide in me, if you just believe in me and be mm. obedient, I have something coming for you that the title is going to be everything you want. The duties is going to be everything you want. You're going to have the commute you want now sitting in my basement. Um, you're going to have, you know, the clientele you want, you know, the, the titles you want, everything that you want. And it's going to be so fulfilling from a lucrative standpoint and a spiritual standpoint. I promise you just abide in me. And I had no idea he was talking about my, my company. Mm. Right. And so with all of that said, that, that alludes to that messy in the middle, right? Um, I did have that huge messy. I was lost. I was doing things that weren't. And I, I think, honestly, I've ruined my, maybe my reputation with some people because of those years being messy in the middle, yeah. right? But I still believe they're a part of what God's plan is. And now I'm, I'm not perfect. I mean, I am obviously have my, my areas for opportunity, but I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm the most fulfilled I've ever been. And mm-hmm. I only see it getting better. Obviously, you have your ebbs and flows, but yeah. because of that messy in the middle, it led me here. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love that. So there are so many things that I could go on from, but there's one, (laughs) one in particular, because I think that, um, you know, we can either learn from, um, experience or instruction and people say all the time that, you know, experience is, is the best way to learn. And sometimes yes, but sometimes no, because a lot of times experience comes with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And can take years of healing, right? And oftentimes in the Bible, there are so many times, so many examples of this where God is giving his people instruction. And they they say, well, I see a shorter way from where I'm standing. So I'm going to go this way. And then he says, okay, now you're going to have to learn through experience, what I wanted to teach you through instruction. And so many people, I think especially young individuals, like if you're listening to this and you're young and whatever version or definition of young you want to say, but you feel like you're young, one of the best things that I can tell you is get people around you that you can learn from their instruction because of their experience. And essentially, you learn all of the lessons that those painful experiences caused that person without having to go through it as well. So all of this to say, 
I think one of the best things that you can do for yourself is to have somebody who financially can step into that coaching position for you, that mentoring position for you, especially if you're young, Mm -hmm. because gosh, I wish I would have had you (laughs) years ago. Like, do you hear that from your clients a lot? I wish I would have had you. 10 years ago. You didn't want me 10 years ago, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I get what you're saying, 100%. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that if you're listening to this, you know, somehow figure out some people in your life that can fill some of those, you know, in- instruction gaps that you need. I think financially you need somebody. I think spiritually you need somebody. Relationally you need someone. So if a young person came to you today, um, what are some pieces of advice that you would give them right off the bat? Hmm. I think that what you said all is relatable to as well. So I'll get into that, you know, some comments I can make to answer this question. But, you know, the one thing I like to tell people is that, you know, the time is going to pass either way. It's our decision on how we want to utilize it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as a young person, I, I've, I've been guilty of this too, as well. You don't think that that graduation day for high school is going to come. You don't think that graduation day for college is going to come and you're going to be on your own. You don't think them student loans are going to kick in. Right. You don't think you're going to have to go job hunting, but it comes. Yeah. Right. And you can be best prepared for them, how you utilize the time in advance. Right. And so understand that time is going to pass either way. It's our decision on how you want to utilize it and always do something your future self is going to thank you for. Mm. Right. And so, you know, with that said, kind of relate back to what you said right, is really to understanding the difference between learning between experience and instruction, mm-hmm. right? And so I always say, you know, really smart people learn from other people's mistakes. Smart people learn from their own mistakes, but dumb people don't learn from either, mm. right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> right? And so, you know, I, I, with in relation to that, like just speaking to the younger crowd, right, there's going to be, there's a lot of problems that you need to go through in life that God wants you to go through because they're lined with growth and wisdom. But there's a mm-hmm. lot of problems that you don't need to go through that are self-inflicted wounds. And I find a lot of those problems are around money, right? 100%. And so from a young age, set yourself up for success. Build your foundation for finances on stone, not sand, mm-hmm. right? And by doing mm-hmm. that, it's just doing the right thing, just making one right move. And then where you can start is seeking out someone to teach you those things, right? Having a mentor really expedites your growth process because they're going to be smart enough to know which mistakes you need to go through. And they're going to be smart enough to pull you from the ones you don't have to. So you don't have to go through that pain and that healing that you alluded to. Right. And so with that said, you know, the time, the time um, kind of example that I gave, the, you know, the mentorship example that I gave, and then when you're seeking advice from people, right, make sure they are a credible source. Right? Just your parents may have their best interest in mind when it comes to money, but they probably fall in that 95% of financially illiterate people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just because your parents say it's good to do, it's like you're you might be in a very suboptimal path if you follow what your parents say. Not not just in disrespect to them. Right. Mm-hmm. But you want to just ask yourself, the person giving you advice in life, whether it's finances or anything to young people, are they a credible source for that advice? Are they doing something in life that you want to do? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone's telling you how to get six pack abs, do they have a beer gut and they've ever had six pack abs? Right. If the answer is um, yes to the first one and no to the second one, please, God, do not take their advice. Run the other way. Right. Anything I ask people, like figure out what people's credentials are. Never be disrespectful and straightforward. You know, always be respectful in the back of your mind. Weigh their credibility. Right. Weigh their credibility, because the most impactful advice in this world is the wrong advice. Mm, (laughs) Right. And so you're going to get that from, you know, credible sources. So the time thing, you know, the, the, you know, the credible source idea, too, as well. Get a mentor to help steer in the right direction who you surround yourself with. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're 200 pounds overweight and you start hanging out with people, five people that work out every day and eat greens, you're in 
inevitably going to shave 50 pounds, right? I don't care how powerful an individual. I consider myself a very powerful individual, right? But I was hanging out with people in the past at times in my life that were, I don't want to say less than me, but they just weren't going the same path. They had different priorities. And I saw my very strong tendencies and discipline starting to steer towards those and being weighed down. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And so understanding, I think all of those things in cultivation, but you know, most importantly, I obviously I'm here for, you know, my financial expertise, not my, my life coaching over here. But um, (laughs) the thing is, is with finances, it's just like this earlier you start, the better you're off. Yes. Right. If you want to live that life, like it's, it's, you, you can have freedom of time and wealth. You just have to do the right things right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I think honestly, to be honest with you, Michaela, like, you know, I, I didn't really get started full blown. I kind of wasted a couple of years, mm-hmm. but because I, you know, recouped and doing the th- right things I've wanted to do for these past five, six, seven years, mm-hmm. I think at 35, I'm never gonna have to work ever again in my life Yeah, if I didn't want to. But you get yeah. so happy by that point that you do want to work and you can do the things you love to do. Yes. Right. And so it, d- it yeah. depends on what you do now as a young person, you got to lay your foundation, right? You're going to lay your foundation for a beautiful future or you're going to lay your foundation for a rut for you to get out of, right? And a lot of stress and anxiety you don't have to go through. That all starts now. Yeah. And the, the thing too that I love you that you talk about and I think is really important for anyone to understand, but um, that it's not about having a cookie cutter plan, like you say, mm-hmm. right? It's about having something that's customized, which is why certain people that have very strong voices in this world that have this very cookie cutter approach to it, like every single person on the planet should do this. Um, I, in my spirit, I'm like, but, (laughs) and maybe that's my, I hate being put into a box, but what can you speak into um, about this whole, it's not about a cookie cutter thing. It's about a custom plan. Right. You got a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Okay, awesome. So I tell people all the time, right? If you want to get best results with your finances, you need a custom and personalized approach based off your unique variables, your unique situation. And I give this analogy all the time. It's probably the 18th time you've heard it, Michaela, but I'm giving it again. But I say every time you know a client or a patient walks through the doors of a hospital, right? We have to treat them differently than the last patient if we expect them to get optimal results because of their unique variables. Yeah. To make it very simple for you, we can't treat the diabetic patient the same way we treat the cancer patient. One of them's gonna die. Right. And because that's because of their unique variables they need to be treatedly differently. Right. If they mm-hmm. want to get best results. Same thing with people's financial situations. Right. So I'll give you an example. Right. Just uh, like I'll have a theoretical father here. My dad doesn't really tell me this, but I'll just you know, this is a relationship thing I run into. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'll talk about my theoretical father and my actual situation. So my theoretical father, because he's, you know, getting close to 60, grew up in that era where you just stay in the hamster wheel, you work nine to five, you save for retirement at 65, you retire and live off your 401k. That's all the money they have left to live off that because they were financially literate the whole time. Yeah. So my, my, my father is telling me that based off his unique variables, that's what he thinks is best for him. But if he's telling me that, I'm like, dude, why would I max out my 401k? Right? I don't, if, I, if I have to live off my 401k one day, I'm a failure. Right. So why would I go max? Because my unique variables, I think I'm going to be retired um, and in all modesty, a multimillionaire by the time I'm 35 years old. Why in the world would I max out an account that I can't touch on 65 instead of keeping that money now and utilizing it to achieve that goal of 35? And that's just an example of a unique Mm -hmm. variable. My dad may have a different unique variable where he's going to rely on his 401k. Me? No. Right. So Mm -hmm. my approach to finances is way different than his because of that unique variable. Right. And so the biggest issue we run into is that fathers or mothers or my brother or someone's cousin or this person heard from this person and then it becomes a poor game of telephone is telling you to oh that's the best thing to do for your finances it's like how how right you know so 
people like it's just all the time. So some people have credit card debt, some people have student loans, some people have two cars in their name, some people rent and buy. So all of those unique variables, very simplistic depiction, need to be weighed, right? That's exactly what I do. And then Mm -hmm. I create you a custom plan to get you optimal results, Mm -hmm. right? Because I want what's best for you, (laughs) right? I need to understand your unique variables. And I also want you to live your life too as well, Mm -hmm. right? So those drastic approaches where they're telling you, unless you're in a very emergency situation, they're telling you, you know, sell your furniture, sleep on the floor, sell your car, walk to work, right? Run from those people, right? Because (laughs) that is terrible for your mental health. And mental health has a lot to do with longevity of financial situation, right? So if you're sleeping on your floor, walking to work, how well do you think your mental health is going to be to help you to perform? So then one, be able to care about your budget for two, to be able to care to start earning more. And for three, to be able to want to learn more outside of that too, you're going to be depressed all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so you want to get a healthy balance of living your life while making, spending your money in a calculated fashion with all of your system built on your unique variables. Right. Mm -hmm. And so last thing before I shut up, I tell people all the time, right. I'm not in this for good. I'm not in this for great. I'm in this for optimal. That's everything I do in life, especially when I have other people's well-beings in my hands. Right. And so how you get optimal results is that custom approach, not that cookie cutter approach. Your situation should be different from the next person's. And I will build you that and make Mm -hmm. sure you get optimal results. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me personally, too, just like being a a single mom and kind of going through some of the things that, that I went through my situation, um, you know, d- going through a divorce is so expensive. And some of the decisions that I made in not asking for what I should have asked for in my divorce. And then I felt like okay, here I am 27 with a one-year-old trying to make it on my own, not making much money, but not wanting to tell anyone that I wasn't financially literate. Like I did not know how to do much of anything. Um, And there was so much shame around that. Like I was so terrified, especially to tell like my father, who I look up to a lot, from a financial standpoint, you know, which is also why I think it's important to have somebody like a coach who's not your relative, right? Isn't that something that you talk about too? All the time. I say, keep finances out of the family. I don't care if your dad's a CFO, he's a multimillionaire, the best financial, it's never going to work because you have a father, son or a father, daughter relationship with them. It's just going to be, do this because I told you so. Or, you know, they don't have time to waste on you to explain things. They just think that you should trust them. But it's like, that is selling you short thousands of different ways. Yeah. Right. So you and I, Michaela, don't have the relationship. Like you're my client, you're my friend. I'm going to give you the best services possible. And then Mm -hmm. if you need to bounce an idea off your dad or your brother every once in a while, that's great. That's good. You know, companionship, but the full holistic financial help Keep it out of the family, please. I really don't care who your dad, your brother, your sister is, right? Seek outside help. Yeah, I'm so, so with you on that. So when it comes to the mindset, like having a good money mindset, what is something that somebody can do that might be listening that say, hey, Justin, I'm really struggling with this area. I grew up a certain way. The Even just like the verbiage around money is really negative. How do I fix my mindset? How do I get that right? Right. So, you know, I think just to start with the quote we said earlier, like it's not your fault, right? It's not their fault. It's, it's, you know, you got to forgive yourself to a particular degree, right? But don't use it as an excuse to continue to justify prolonging you stepping up and taking action. Like we said, it's not your fault, but it's darn well your responsibility to step up and take action, right? And so from there, once you have that mindset, you know, it's like, then where do you go, right? And I'm just a true believer in educating yourself, right? Mm -hmm. There's literally in the palm of our hand, (laughs) right? 
um, you know, literally once I put this out, right, it's so once we, excuse me, we put this out, right, it's just very easy to go listen to a podcast, right? Go to credible sources, right? Get a book, right? Start listening to a podcast, right? Little by little, you'll start to increase your financial literacy. The more you start to increase your financial literacy, I say it starts to become a domino effect because you start to increase your financial literacy, you start to shed those old anxieties a little bit, right? So then you have less stress and anxiety and you start to shed those old habits, right? So then you have less stress and anxieties and issues related to those habits. And then you start to see there's a better life, right? Then you're not living paycheck to paycheck anymore. So you're not worried. Like there's a lot of stress that comes with that. You're not worrying about your next paycheck coming in to you to be able to pay your rent, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, right, you now start having money saved up to an account. So now you know in the back of your mind you're set if something happens emergency-wise, right? Then you know that you then you're out of credit card debt, right? You're not spending money on that, right? And then you're able to identify other investments with this excess money you have, right? Mm -hmm. And you're able to get yourself the house that you want instead of rent, right? But all that started back here with that domino effect, right? And so the first domino is that mindset, right? I'm happy you brought that up. Right. And then educating yourself. Right. And then it leads to all those other ones. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the biggest thing, though, I think, you know, is really just seeking credible sources to educate, educate you. And unfortunately, outside the books, right, that's that's not those are those aren't customized. Right? Those aren't personalized. Mm-hmm. It's just those people are just trying to do their best to give everyone a decent outlook on things, a good outlook, knowledge based. That's just baseline data. From there, if you settle there, you're settling for decent. Right. We want to take it to optimal. And I know there's not much in the market. There's but listening to this, someone speaking right now is now that option. That's exactly why I did this because before I was doing this, there's no one doing what I'm doing. Right. And no, you know, I'm fully maxed out. I got 20 plus people on a waiting list and it shows you the need for it. Right. I'm figuring that out. Don't worry. I'm sorry. Pulling people off for just stepped away (laughs) from my day job too, as well. So, but point being is I I hope that makes sense and answers your question. Yes, it does. Yeah. It a hundred percent does. And I think I'll just say from a personal experience perspective that I started doing that. I, I, uh, I was in one class and I really felt like I, in my spirit, it didn't align with me because um, it was so strict and I, I just thought it was one extreme. And then I read a book called uh, by Ramit Sadie, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Um, now, the title is horrible, but um, but I liked the book because it was the first time that I read a book about finances and said, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment for me, like a pivotal moment for me where I could tell, like you said, I was getting more financially literate, even just reading the book, you know, and then continuing to kind of dive into certain, certain things. Um, And then meeting you has been a huge blessing already. So um, yeah, I really like that. Any mindset things that you have to around debt that we can talk about? Because debt holds people back. Yeah. And I hate that because it's just, there's not, there's particular debts, right? I'm Mm -hmm. a true believer in leveraging and optimizing debt the right way and understanding the mindset around it. Yes. If you're putting a whole bunch of stuff on a credit card that you can't afford by your budget and it's accruing 10, 25% interest over years, that's terrible debt. Do not do that. Yes. And and hopefully it doesn't shun people. Again, again, that's not your fault. If you got into it, someone just didn't teach you like, you know, coming out of college, but just differentiating Mm -hmm. between debts. Yes. Right. But, you know, then there's also really good ways to leverage debt. Right. There's, you know, if you're not, I tell people all the time, if you're not using credit the right way, you're missing on a mass amounts of opportunities in life. Yes. Right. One of them being, right, cash back rewards. I tell people all the time, it's free money. Right. So if you're getting anywhere, like, so I say this all the time, my fiance and I, we get everything off Amazon. You know, who doesn't? So we we have an Amazon card powered through Chase. We put our gas, our groceries, and we go out to eat on there. We pay it off on time. We never accrue any interest. And because of those purchases, we get anywhere from 2 to 5% cash back each month on Amazon, free money, which ends up being 40 bucks in our card on Amazon each month. 
That times 12 months equals $480 a year. We don't have to come out of pocket for it. If we need new dish detergent or if my dad needs a gift card for his birthday or if I want a new Bible or a new book, right? right. All because we just utilize credit and debt the right way. Yeah. Right. Then also, you know, there's a bunch of beautiful things you could do with with that as well, too, around a lot of cards. They offer promotional promotional period. Right. So you open up a credit card, you get 15 months, zero percent APR. Mm-hmm. Right. When we first moved into this house, I had the 10 grand to furnish it. But why would I? Right. I was going to put it on a zero percent APR credit card, say for 10 grand over 15 months, divided mm-hmm. it by 10, 15 months. Right. There's zero percent interest and zero percent APR. And I paid it off in equal installments over the next 15 months. What that did is allowed me to hold on to that 10 grand in my hand, right? Mm -hmm. To one, once I hand it over, I can't make money with that 10 grand anymore. It's gone, right? I can't invest it. I can't put it as a down payment on a rental property. I can't even just put it in a high yield savings account, Mm -hmm. right? But if I keep that, it allows me to earn money on, right? Also, if I keep it, right? um, It allows me to have that around for if an emergency happens. So we just move it in the house, right? Say if I handed that 10 grand over and the furnace blew, right? What am I paying? My 10 grand's gone, right? But because I was smart and leveraged credit the right way in debt, I still have it to, to pay, right? And or make money off of it instead, that's now a bill in my, my budget for the next 50 months. So I earn more, pay the 150. Earn more, pay the 150. Earn more, pay the 150. And that 10 grand never goes anywhere, mm-hmm. right? And so it's a way to leverage credit. And you got to understand your rewards risk. Does that ding your credit score a little bit because your utilization is a little bit high? Yes, but my unique variables, mm-hmm. right? Or I have mm-hmm. two brand new cars in my name and a brand new house in my name. What was I going to need an optimal credit score for in the next two years, right? right. And right. so with that said, that little risk of taking that temporary manipulative little ding to my credit score definitely came nowhere near outweighing the rewards. And so I went with that decision based on my unique variables. So just tied mm-hmm. debt mindset and unique variables kind of into one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? That's, yeah. hundred percent. And it's so powerful because they're okay. So I'm going to be totally real with you when you, even when you say like $480, right? The $40 a month like times 12. The, the me a couple years ago would have been like, that's not really 480 bucks. That's not really that much money, but like that is the wrong way to think about money because it is a lot of money and it's money that you didn't have prior to it. And like you said, it could pay for, you know, the book that you're wanting or gifts for different people throughout the year, or, you know, I call them whoops gifts. Like you forget about a person and you're like, Oh shoot, I gotta go get that. You know, that you wasn't planned, you know, in, in your budget and everything. So I think when you can also, again, become financially literal literate um that you start seeing money differently mm-hmm. um and that when when your perspective changes on anything everything changes right. about it your perspective is so incredibly powerful can i can i add to that real quick yeah go for it so with that said like the 480 bucks right just kind of like the idea oh it doesn't seem like much Technically, kind of, it's 500 bucks. But if you're thinking like that, you're literate like that, you're making actions like that, right? And you're mm-hmm. doing things like that, it's probably not the only thing you're doing. Correct. And then you're doing something else that's saving you 200 bucks. Now we're at 700. You're doing something else that's saving you 1,000 bucks. Now we're at 1,700, yeah. right? We're doing something else that's saving you 500. Now we're at 2,300, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say we're doing some, another little knickknacks here and there, being financially, now they're at three grand, mm-hmm. right? So now we're at three grand more because of that, right? Because of that way of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Three grand over three years is now nine grand. Right, nine grand, you know, put in the stock market, you know, ten percent return on investment. And it's now another nine hundred bucks, let's say. So now we're at, um, you know, ten thousand, right? Yeah. And then that's a down payment, you know, that's on a rental property, right? Now you have a thousand dollars of passive income per month on the rental property, all because of that domino effect that started back here, right? A little financial literacy that led to that, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of the one thing I like to allude. If you're thinking like that and saving yourself five hundred bucks from cash back rewards, right? Then you're probably doing that in several other ways. 
in your life, it's going to add up to massive amounts of money that lead to other investments, that lead to other opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. That expedite other processes for you and make you more, I guess, in, in the long term, wealthier, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was one thing I wanted to add. The other thing too is like big common misconception. It's taught from our parents. It's taught from, I think you and I kind of have on the same page who else we're talking about all here. It kind of teaches a similar topic that like, oh, that's bad. Dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. Dumbest thing in the world. Um, yep. Let's put it this way. So there are other options out there. They force you to pay off all your debt because they've classified all debt as bad, which is stupid superficially, right? And then let's put it this way. Let's say you have a car loan, right? You have a loan on your car and it's got a 1% interest rate, right? 1% interest rate over five years. That's literally nothing. That's pennies. Yeah. <laughs> pennies. You're going to go rush to pay that off to what? To save 1%, right? And instead of all that extra, you're throwing 500 bucks extra you know, at your car for 1%. You could put that in a high yield savings account each month and get 2.2%. You're still profiting an extra 1.2%. Right. And so you have to understand how to, what debt is bad, what to attack and based off your unique variables, where your money is best spent. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. where cookie cutter approaches will get you. They get you throwing money and stretching yourself out, selling your furniture to do what? To pay off a 1% interest rate. It's like, it's, it's mind boggling. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that's, that's why again, too, like I love your approach that it's not the, the cookie cutter thing and that it's so education based. So if you're kind of feeling like, I want to get better at money, but I'm, I don't know where to start. And I, you know, you just look at money and it's like this big hill. <laughs> I highly recommend having a coach, having a community, because when you climb, and I talk about this a lot when it comes to personal, like self-growth, when you climb the mountain of self-growth or the mountain of getting your finances, you do it alone. When you fall, you fall all the way back down to the bottom. But when you're in community, when you're with a coach, they can, they can catch you. You know, they can pull you back because you're going to fall. You will. It's just life. Things happen. You make mistakes. Some unexpected, huge financial thing happens in your life and you're going to fall back. But when you have somebody to catch you, that's everything because then you don't fall all the way back down (laughs) to the valley. Um, So I just think it's so important. And like you mentioned earlier, you become like the people you're around the most. So that's why I think having that like board of directors or just really being conscious of who are my friends, you know, one of my mentors said, um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm -hmm. If your friends are broke, you will be broke. Exactly. But if your friends are people that are loving God or moving, you know, somewhere in business and doing good things with their lives and you will too. So just be so aware of who you're surrounding yourself with. And sometimes you have to pay for it. Like literally you have to pay for a coach. You have to do, do the things, invest in those things that will bring you a greater return on your money. And I agree with you. I agree with you. And to kind of allude back to like, where do people start? Like if you want to like really get on the fast track, just come to me ASAP, right? You don't need to waste yeah. your time listening to the podcast before you come to me, listen to books. I've listened to every single one of them out there. I've read every single book out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to teach you everything out of those books. I'm going to save you the money off Amazon. I'm going to save you the, the three years if you plug it through a 300 page book, right? And so yep. I'm going to teach you all that thing and I'm going to customize my teachings toward your unique variables. It's going to be as efficient and as effective as possible. My main goal is to allow God to work through me here to help on earth, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't let people not having the money right now hold me hold them back from that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, with all that said, like, yes, you can go read the books and go do that. But I think, you know, God has empowered me to give you a one stop shop in a very expedited and optimal fashion. Yeah. 
Yeah, 1000%. Before we get to our little piece of dessert here, um, where if somebody does say, I like this guy, I want to learn more about what he's doing and all that kind of stuff, where can people find you? Um, sure. Sure. So my, my, yeah, Instagram is Justin underscore Buonamo. Um, it's a disaster of a last name, but I think it'll be included on the description. It will be on the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. And then my website too, as well, which is justfinancialfoundations.com. Mm-hmm. Just as it's spelled, um, if you type it in, it'll come up right up on Google. And so on there, there's, you know, Instagram, obviously you can see, see me build that rapport. Cause this is a tough topic to talk about with a stranger. And I want you guys to trust me and build that strong foundation. So hopefully that'll help you. And then you know, the, the website, you can DM me too as well. You can email me, do whatever you want. The website has a button. As soon as you click on the website, free consultation. I give everybody a free consultation, right? And it's like, what's, what's going to happen? You're going to, you know, make a new connection, worst case scenario, learn something within the 30 to 60 minutes, and then probably, you know, walk away more well-equipped and less stressed out, right? And so that just um, a very good access to me. And there's also a promo video on there. So you can hear a little more of my background and my why and, you know, um, what I'm in this for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's the thing. Like, Um, I mean, I only ever bring somebody on the podcast, either that I just love their story or, you know, I love them as a a person or if somebody has a service, like I only bring somebody on here that I believe in and that I've either am working with or have worked with in the past. So I'm really excited for you guys to just, if you're listening to this, just have a conversation, um, with Justin, because I believe, you know, and even in my course, the savvy single, I talk a lot about money um, because relationships, like it's one of the biggest reasons why people get divorced, even Number above one. adultery, you know, like it's crazy is money. And I think when you're young or in your single season, or maybe you going through a divorce and like, get this part of the puzzle, right? Because it's not, it doesn't just get this puzzle, right? it gets a lot of other things right. So mm-hmm. um, I just think that there's a lot of a lot of power there. Okay. I have one final question, then we'll get to dessert because my favorite question is always, what is your favorite failure? And I, you know, I'll explain that just briefly, just a, a mistake that you made um, that literally was either like a pivotal point or just something where you learned so much from this one failure or mistake? What would that be for you? Your favorite failure? Favorite failure. Actually, like, you know, I was, I was thinking about this before, right? And I ne- like this actually sparked, that's why I was happy I did this. I sparked a thought in my head. So when I was 18 years old, I actually got a settlement for $80,000 um, because I got hit by a car when I was 13. Mm-hmm. I did not spend that optimally at all. I came from a home that didn't teach financial literacy. All my parents said were just, you know, don't blow it or do that, like no guidance whatsoever. Yeah. Right. And then I went away to Maryland six hours away with $80,000 in my bank at, 80, at 18 years old. Right. And so you can imagine how that went. Right. But why, for one, I loved that because for one, once I had that money on my account and it went away, I was like, I need to be well off the rest of my life because though I used it poorly, I saw the benefits of having that cushion and having that security. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also I, you know, was able to, you know, do those mistakes early in life. It wasn't really my money, right? I didn't earn it hard, right? So I was, don't get me wrong, I wish I could have spent it better and invested it wisely, yeah. right? But yeah. it obviously worked out completely fine. But I was able to learn lessons off of play money, if you will, and like also mm-hmm. like good and bad. And so that taught me for one that like where people's vulnerabilities are, right? And most importantly, it better equipped me to help other people and live out this purpose and I'm living right now. Amen, amen. That's so cool. Uh, can you imagine? This is a really great question. Okay. If you were given, if you're listening to this, if you were given like 80 grand just showed up in your bank account, <laughs> are you confident 
that you know how to maximize it and treat that money really well. If your answer is like, mm, I'd probably do some stuff I wouldn't be proud of, you should go to Justin like immediately. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'd have you as a millionaire next week if we had 80 grand. <laughs> For real, seriously. So what is one last little like nugget from Justin, a little bit of dessert that we can leave people with? Also, do you have a favorite dessert? Oh, favorite dessert? Cannolis. It's the Italian. Mm, me oh, too, yeah. me. Okay. Uh, Wait, you're 100% Italian? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm Italian and Irish. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You got, you got enough. You got enough to understand the love. Cannoli. Cannoli. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The one piece of dessert, you know, I tell people, I always say if you couple hard work with genuine concern and compassion for the well-being of other people, there's no limit to the success and impact you can have on this world. Mm. Right. And so main objective, I tell people all the time, right? You know, especially younger people. Like I was hustling when I was young. These past 10 years, you know, I've been hustling, but mm-hmm. it set me up to where like, I'm getting to the point where I may never have to work ever again in my life. Right. But it was because of that hustle. And so I told people, when you have the time, like I said before, it's going to pass either way. Right. You want to add as much value into the world as you possibly can help as many people as you possibly can and make good money doing so. And that's very possible. That's very, very possible. But it all starts with you offering a service, um, or yourself, with the genuine compassion and concern for the well-being of other people and the rest will come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good, Justin. And you know what? That's exactly what you're doing. So thank you so much for your time, for being here, for pouring into all of us. And I'm just really grateful for you. Before we get up from the table, <laughs> I just want to, before we get our check and our you know, to-go boxes, Uh, I want to say thank you so much for listening. And also the best thing, the biggest hug that you could give me, high five, is to download the episodes here on A Table for Two. If you don't know anything about the podcast world, they base a lot of things off of if people download the episodes, it gives the back end system of the podcast world, hey, this this podcast is worth listening to. So if you download, that is the biggest hug that that we could get here at A Table for Two. If you want to give us a high five, feel free to rate this podcast. If you love it, give it a review. Definitely share on Instagram. I love seeing those shares and seeing what your biggest takeaways were. They give me life and encouragement and a little boost. (laughs) So, and I always love to reshare them. If you have any questions or you have any ideas for somebody that you think would be a great guest here at the table, I would love for you to send me a DM. Let's talk about it. I love you guys. I appreciate each and every one of you and we will see you next time at the table.